We play and call it work. And that, Colin, is why people always want to switch out acrobatics for athletics, right? Oh, I understand completely. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. Oh, I didn't see you there. Welcome to this week's live sit and talk with me, Matthew, in the brand new bunker. This is my very first live sit and talk here at the new bunker. Not our first sit and talk. We had one last week with Luca. Was it with Luca? Yep, Luca was last week. Yes. And next week, actually, I don't even know if our schedule is the same. So is next I week Josh? Can you, can you check that for me, Colin? Yes, there? Josh had me uh, remake it. So the reason that it's important for you to know that is because if you are watching this on YouTube after the fact, we'll have a link in the description where you can leave comments for Josh if you are a Vault member. So Vault members can leave comments. Otherwise, you've got to be on the show live to ask questions. So basically, we answer questions both for Vault members who have left them throughout the week or for you, our live audience. So let's just... Uh, Oh, geez, we're getting a lot of people resubbing. Yeah, that makes sense, actually, because we haven't been live streaming much for the past month because we've been busy been moving. It has been a little bit. So a lot of people have Twitch Prime subscriptions, which do not auto-renew, and so they, they lapse when we're not actually live streaming. So thank you so much for those who are willing to support us, especially the Darkest Stig, six months on a six-month streak, five months from Wills 65 on a five-month streak, Blighted Brush Studios at Tier 1 for three months. Awesome. Thank you so much. And everybody else who I've missed, because I think there's others that have popped in here as well that I haven't been able to get to. We haven't opened up the queue yet for asking questions, so don't go do that yet. But essentially, our live sit and talk is where you get to chat with the various content producers and employees of Mini Wargaming, and we have a rotation throughout. And we'll do them live on twitch.tv slash mini wargaming every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And then they get posted afterwards on our YouTube channel uh, for those that weren't able to make it. But obviously, you can't ask questions to the person because, well, it's all done. And I haven't done one of these for what feels like a little while, so I'm trying to think if I've forgotten any details. Colin and I were having a discussion I about... Think that's about it, though. Yeah, we were talking about Dungeons & Dragons right before we started. So that's why we were talking As about... always. <laughs> yeah, always, always. Because it's Thursday, so the other thing that's awesome about Thursday, and I'm sorry to say this to you guys, but probably the thing that's the best thing for me is that I get to play D&D on Thursdays. Oh, we got Luca playing next door, which means you get to hear him cackle. There's soundproofing. You actually be, there's a lot of soundproofing, but you cannot soundproof Luca. You just can't. Luca is the unsoundproofable? Yeah, he, you can put him three studios down, and you would still hear him cackle. It's a very high-pitched cackle. <laughs> All right? Uh, so anyways, so yeah, I, get, I play Dungeons & Dragons every Thursday night. Colin's actually in our... Two bo- with both yes. of our groups. We rotate every other week doing Tomb of Annihilation and Curse of Strahd. I GM uh, or DM Tomb of Annihilation and Luca DMs our Curse of Strahd and we love it. Thir- so that's why Thursday is the best day of the week. Live sit and talk is fun too, but let me just... D&D is the most fun. So. Yeah, and I'm always in these on Thursday, so I don't mind. Thursday is one of my favorite days because I get to come in, talk to chat a little bit. So and then go uh, play D&D. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so much fun. And you might think, well, hey, Dungeons & Dragons fan, like, but you do Warhammer for a living. See, that's why I like Thursdays, because I play a lot of 40K and Age of Sigmar. But getting a Dungeons & Dragons time in is a little harder. Like, we do have our new show, for example, starting this coming Tuesday, Heroes of Herrenberg Season 2, our Dungeons & Dragons campaign, that will be returning to Twitch and then on Fridays on YouTube as well. But uh, I just can't seem to get enough of the game. And since we're more a miniature wargaming channel than role-playing, I can't yet come up with a good fiscal reason why we should be doing more D&D content. But we're working on it. We're working on it. So thank you so much for joining us today. So for those of you who are coming in, I'm going to open up the queue open. So basically the way that you can ask me questions, 
I'll be looking at the chat a little bit too, but if you actually want to post questions, you put the use the command ask, which you put exclamation mark ask space, and then ask your question. Now, the one thing about uh, Streamlabs chatbot is that if your question's really long, I have no way to scroll through it. So we'll do our best to go back and try to find it. I got Colin to help me here with that. Uh, but try to keep it a little shorter. And you can only ask one question at a time. I'll do my best to then clear you out of there so you can ask more questions as well. And we'll get into that. So we've already got questions coming in, so I'll start with those. And at some point, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go over and answer questions from our vault members as well. Try to get through a bunch of those, if not all of them. And yeah, so first question is from Dylan Bauer 101. How are you finding the new bunker and are you looking forward to Kill Team Elise? Uh, first question, we are loving the new bunker. It's, we still have a lot of work left to do. Um, the move really wasn't too bad. Like it was grueling, don't get me wrong. It was two weeks of hard labor and all of our soft bodies are not used to that much hard labor. I'm speaking for myself at least. Yeah, no, I, I don't think uh, most of us get... Uh to move that often yeah and that was nothing but oh Oof. every day i went home with ridiculously sore feet and i stand for a living i know i'm sitting right now but like no, the, the, i, I we're filming that the, I, I don't film too often so when i do film the game after every day i'm always like wow do my feet actually hurt yeah. yeah you get used to that after a while but moving boy was that a lot of work but we still got it done really well and then we got a lot of the got it by those two weeks that we had booked off for moving we actually got a lot of work done there's still lots of odds and ends. Like the even the studios aren't 100% done. Like you might notice little things like screw holes that still have to get patched up. Uh, we're still finishing the sound dampening in some of the studios as well. There's still more labeling to be done on the all our miniatures and and all of those. There's the well, they're still moving into the store. We're still waiting for the chairs for our cafeteria, which were apparently delivered weeks ago, and now we can't find them. Really? Yeah, apparently they were delivered before we even moved, so I'm not sure how that happened. Hmm. We still got, we're waiting for all the terrain and stuff. We have a uh, table, um, oh goodness, I was about to say the wrong company. Table War is going to be our big, one of our big sponsors for the event hall. They're providing us all the gaming mats, all of the gaming mats. Wow. There's tons of them. And so a huge shout out to them. You'll see their name on a lot of our events and um, banners and stuff as well. Uh, as well as other terrain that we're getting. I think we're getting some stuff from Game Mat as well. Uh, terrain-wise, not mat-wise. Although they've sent us a lot of mats for our regular battle reports. Heck, I think we're even... No, this is a table or mat. Sorry, I don't... It's a quick glance, it's not always obvious. Some of them, yes, it's obvious, but others I gotta check for the label on the side. Um, so yeah, there's still lots of work to do. Still posters to put up, still lots of decorations to do. We're probably gonna be working on it for the next six months, to be honest. Oh, and the bunkers aren't even actually done. The hotel rooms, they're still working on putting the furniture. Did, there the, was, did the beds just get here? I don't know. Ones? I don't know if the new ones got here yet. They ordered the wrong ones, and so okay. we got the wrong beds in, mm -hmm. and so we had to send them back and get new beds, and so that's going to delay that a bit. So I, I hope by the summer that will be at full operation and ready to go. Our grand opening is at the end of June, so you know, hopefully we'll at least be mostly done by then. Am I looking forward to Kill Team Elites? Uh, not me particularly. They look cool, but I'm not currently into Kill Team. I did play a, kill a couple Kill Team campaigns when it first came out, and I really enjoyed it. And I'd love to get back into playing it, especially because it's a, it might be an easy thing to live stream. We're always looking for more stuff that we can live stream. Regular battle reports, we'll probably live stream regular battle reports, but I just don't think that live streaming is the best medium for full-size table battle reports without huge production costs. Um, but Kill Team being on a smaller table, Blood Bowl, that kind of stuff, where you can kind of just you know, you can really get close and you don't have to have five camera operators in order to make it work. But right now, no real opinion on Kill Team. Zergalurgaderg! 
these are names I'm familiar with. Hey Matt, do you, why do you think the gene stealers only seem to steal the human genes? Uh, I think that's, okay, so there's two answers of course. The first answer is why did Games Workshop only create the gene stealers to look the way they do? And the answer to that is just limitations on, you know, how many different models they can produce. It would be really cool if they came out with a new kit for gene stealers. Well, let me, let me step back a second. I think it would be really good if they scrapped the entire Tyranid line and redid it from scratch. Having put that aside. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Tyranids, but their models are stuck in the 80s. Yeah, I, I totally see that. Yeah. And I, the thing is, I came from StarCraft before I came into Warhammer, and so I love the StarCraft Zerg look. Like, they went for the whole everything's biological. If they're shooting something, it's not because it looks like they hold a gun. Yeah, I've always found that silly. They're a lot more sleek. Like, you look at the Ultralisk compared to the Carnifex. You look at the uh, Zergling compared to the Hormagons. The Hormagons are actually pretty good. But even they have that stupid grin on their face that, that, that really bothers me. Um, and they've done better. Like, the, the newer Tyranid models definitely look better than the older ones. Like, the Harostex is a great model. Heck, even the new Zone Throat models. Now that I'm used to their aesthetic, I appreciate it. But I would just die and go to heaven if they announced that they're coming out with a whole new line of Tyranids, like even redoing... They can, do, they can give it, you know what, give it the whole Primaris treatment, where you're not replacing... Wow. They're, they're not it's replacing right. models. Primaris they're, Tyranids. No, it's, it's, it's not known. They're not that there'll be better Tyranids. It's that the, the hive mind is always creating new species. And yes, they still have termagants, but they have this new type of... Uh, uh, I don't know, a, a permagant. There you go. A permagant. <laughs> <laughs> that is clearly just a replacement for the Termagant, but is a better looking model, more effective, and yet still the same number of points. So like that kind of thing, where you're like, yeah, they're not saying they're replacing tactical marines and scouts and vanguard and terminators, but based on the rules they gave this stuff, like it's so clear that that's, that's what's going on here. So I would even go for that, like, so I can still use my old stuff in the meantime while I'm getting the new stuff painted. But, okay, yeah, so why did gene stealers only steal human genes? They don't. They steal tau genes, they steal quark genes, they steal actually any kind of genes. Uh, just the models that you see are the gene stealers that are the result of the human gene. So that's the end of that question. So they have, we actually have canon proof that they steal other genes too. Oh, we got a comment that got cut off. Eagle X111, I don't have a timestamp for you because I hit pick next. Oh, Sorry. no. I've been planning to paint a Death Guard army in gold with blue, green tentacle skin parts and red for cloth and glowing parts. Do you think this would work, look good on the tabletop? Dot, dot, dot. Uh, and any advice on painting these guys would be a great help. Thanks. I will just answer this really quickly for you because I have the same answer for anybody else who asked me painting advice. Ha, 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 ha. You're asking the wrong person. You were one day early for a show. Yeah. Chris tomorrow does the painting auxilium where he answers questions about painting. So you can join his live show tomorrow at 1 p.m. Is it Eastern Daylight Time? Or is it 2 p.m.? He's at 1. He's at 1. Okay. This is the only show at 2. This, yeah, this is the only one at 2. Okay. So, yeah, join him tomorrow to ask painting questions. I have not literally, just, just, it was just yesterday, Steve asked me, did you take my paintbrushes? And I laughed out loud in his face. It was awesome. <laughs> I literally burst out laughing. I'm like, really? And of he's all like, the people here. I know. He's like, I know, I know. I asked everybody else already, though. Uh, I haven't touched, literally, I, I, I haven't painted anything for six or seven years. I can't remember how long. I think it's been six years. Uh, I don't enjoy painting. I love the hobby. And I, I know this sounds backwards, and some people are like, you can't enjoy the hobby unless you paint your own miniatures. I disagree because Challenge I enjoy, I enjoy it. I enjoy it plenty, and I don't paint my own miniatures. I don't want to paint my own miniatures. 
I wouldn't. I don't take pride in painting my own miniatures because I suck at it. And I painted a lot of miniatures when I first got in this hobby. I painted over a thousand miniatures. Never enjoyed it. I, I got passably okay at it after a thousand miniatures. Passably, passably. Like I don't even know. I don't even technically know if I passed. I think it's still like a forty-nine percent. In fact, you were probably so unhappy while doing it as well. Oh, I just yeah, no. I, I, like, I liked it at first, for the first 10 miniatures that I painted. And then I was like, why am I doing this? Seawill65, uh, who is starting the next season of D&D, of Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, well, we've got one return. We have Brother Rin coming back, reincarnated. So Jeremy will be joining us again. Steve is also going to be playing again, but he is not going to be playing Nibs Bumplekin. He's going to be playing a relative of Nibs Bumplekin, who is much less grouchy. He's playing a, yeah, a halfling wizard who's a professor of uh, archaeology and psychology. Not as stabby. <laughs> yeah, not as annoying. Steve got tired of playing Nibs and how negative he was. Uh, we also have Colin, who will actually be joining us on the show uh, rather than behind the scenes. Rob will be taking his position for that show only because um, that's Colin's job. So I kind of worked my magic to get him into the show. And I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm so happy. Because I so want to see Colin on the show. It might not be a regular thing we can do, but for this one we're going to do it. And he's playing a paladin who is helping out Brother Rin. Um, that's and the idea. Yep. That's the idea. And then we've got Mrs. Doubtfire, sorry, Mrs. <laughs> Doubtwater, being played by Vito, a human warlock who is um, Steve's character's maid for the past 30 years. And Steve's character is unaware that she is a witch, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> so it's going to be four people. So it's Heroes of Herrenberg Season 2. But I will tell you right now, it's a Lost Laboratory of Qualish is the module. I actually purchased the module. It's an official one, although it's uh, not as major a one because it was made as a special thing for, uh, for charity. Not for, no, we didn't do it. Wizards of the Coast did it. And so don't read the module if you don't want spoilers. Okay? It'll be a lot of fun. Also, guys, my keyboard is not working right now, so that's fantastic. Why don't you keep... Oh, your battery's died? Um, no, it's, it's this one, and I have one on order to replace it. But, um, so you're not able to reply to comments? Maybe. Mm. Mm. So yeah, if I'm not talking in chat as much as I normally do, that's why. Oh, yeah, he's trying. Oh, yeah, there it goes. No, maybe. Yeah. It works occasionally. No, we'll see. Balfour, what is the thing you like best so far moving into the new place? Oh, I love the new studios. They're fantastic. I like the organization of the miniatures and terrain. It's way easier to find everything now. I love my office. I can close the door. And it's locked. People leave me alone. Walk through your office. It's, yeah, they don't have to walk through my office. I haven't yet used my napping couch. Other people have sat in my couch, but I haven't mm. had time to nap yet. There's been many days when I've come in thinking I'm going to be using it today, but then I just got so busy. We have been crazy busy here. It seems like every minute of my day now is filled because we're still getting all the odds and ends done, and that's with me dumping the majority of that stuff onto Josh <laughs> and to Colin. And still, and still, I have nonstop things to get done. So. Um, so yeah, so I, just the whole place is, has a different feel to it. Um, I'm very proud of it, I should say, even though I'm not the one that did it. Like Dave is uh, the one that really oversaw the whole thing. But as the business owner, um, I'm very proud of it. And, I, and when, I, when people come in and I show it to them, it's, it's fun to show it to them. The other place, I'm just like, yeah, this is where I work. The studios are cool. The rest is garbage. Yeah, yeah. It was very much like... <laughs> it was very dirty feeling. The, on first entrance, you're like... Where is this place? Yeah, what is what did I just walk into? Like, okay, I see the rooms and it makes sense. Yeah, now. yeah. Where I feel like this is, yeah, it, the it, whole it, thing. You want to be like, hey, you want to come check out where I work? Because it's pretty cool. Yeah, because I was showing like we had a couple of our insurance people come in yesterday, so they could get. I wanted to give them a full tour, so they knew how to classify everything. 
And when they just walked in the door and they saw the walls that were gray with the little bolts on it, they're like, this is really cool. And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, okay, I guess this is. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll show you cool. And they were very impressed by that. So I like all that. I just, it just feels great. Part-time pirate, do you have pricing set yet for the rooms in the bunker? Uh, also, what would it look like for couples coming to stay? We don't have pricing set, and pricing is going to vary. It's kind of like a hotel. You're going to see varied pricing um, during busier times. It'll, the price will be higher. Essentially, what we're going to be pricing it at is it's going to be competitive, but not cheap compared to other places to stay. I'll be honest, you'll be, you'll be able to find many cheaper places to stay than here. Because we only have a few rooms, we can't afford to, to rent them out for next to nothing. Um, so it'll probably be like if you were to look at the scale of expensive or of places to stay in Welland, we're going to be on the high end of that. Compared to Niagara Falls, which is 20 minutes away, well, they have everything from the five-star resorts, which will be way more expensive than us, to dingy $20 yes. a night pay-by-the-hour places. Just, just the lowest places. Just gross. <laughs> right, by, right in those red light districts. Oh, or you're just like, yeah, pay-by-the-hour. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near that place. I always felt bad because I'm like, people come all the way around the world to see Niagara Falls, and they have to drive through yeah, that, to drive through that to first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where the pricing is going to be. But I can't give you an exact yet because, honestly, I don't have them. And then what would it look like for couples to come to stay? Well, we have different kinds of rooms. We have three small rooms. And when I say small, I mean small. Like basically there's room for a bunk bed and like one piece of furniture. And there's, every room has its own private bathroom. So you'll have that as well. Uh, but, and they're bunk beds. So that's like two buddies that want to come in together. Um, they are double-sized bunk beds. So technically two people could sleep in one of them. Like, like you can if you're the right size. Uh, but we do have two bigger rooms. Um, like I believe one of them actually has a full-size bed. I think it's yeah, it's the one, and then that one yeah. should have its uh, gaming table in it as well. Right, it's more a suite, so it's the more private um, for for a couple, or you can come in. It actually has a yeah, I think it'll have its own gaming table too. Mm -hmm. It keeps going, it keeps changing. I, I, and so thing, I don't, right, I don't know. Right? Like it, it's, it's Dave, almost yeah. Uh, Dave, take care of that. And... I'll tell you when it's all done. But that's the basic idea right now. Um, Gabby Walkie, anyone from Mini Wargaming coming to Warhammer Fantasy this weekend? Or is that what that means? WHF? Warhammer Fantasy this weekend? WHF? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, so I can't answer. I don't think anyone's doing anything this weekend that I know of. Catfish666, what was the most stressful part of the move? How about the most frustrating? Um, the whole thing was stressful. What was the most stressful part? I don't know. There wasn't any one thing. We had a flood in the Necromunda thing, but honestly, I saw that. I'm like, oh, there's a flood. They're taking care of it. And, and, I mean, and it didn't bother me. The construction crew's been around, and they've been wonderful to just yeah. do whatever needs to be like done. They're still so. working on stuff, and so it's nice to have people that we can just hand things off to. Mm -hmm. The most frustrating? Honestly, I can't complain about the move. It was easier than I thought it would be, and I thought it was going to be really hard, so it's not that it wasn't hard. It just it went a lot better than I thought it would be. So I'm actually quite pleased with how everybody worked together. Um, I was very, very happy with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be only frustrated? Yeah, nothing yeah, really. Nothing really. It was, it was great. As, 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 as great as a colossal move <laughs> can be. Like, it yeah. was colossal. It sucked. I've never, I don't, never moved anything that takes you that long. I, you know, like you move a house and you're like, oh, it's done in one day. Or yeah, even half and, a day. And I mean, if it's packed well, it can be done in half a day. Exactly. Unpacking. Unpacking takes, takes the while. But that's like you leave the two people, the couple alone to unpack mm -hmm. the entire house for the next two months. But here it's like everybody's working together, so it's nice and fast. Captain Garadon 7, are you ever going to do another blue collar heresy role playing campaign? We have no plans. 
Uh, your question, honestly, if all, I, I feel like there's certain frequently asked questions that I could, I could like have a little soundboard and press a button and have the answer for. And your question falls under the, and this is not an insult, this is, I just want you to understand how we run our business um, until the events get going, that is, and that'll really change it. But if your question falls under the, are you ever going to do fill in the blank? And the answer to that question is always, if it's not in the next four weeks, I have no idea because we don't plan that far out. Now, having said that, once we get our events going, those will be planned for months in advance, if not even like a full year in advance. And that important thing for that, obviously, is because we're having people participate in it. So people need time to book time off work, to get their flights, to decide on going on a vacation, whatever it's going to be. And so at that point, though, all the information will be available on our website. And so right now, everything's up in the air. We, we, we pretty much announce our ideas as we get them and uh, are just doing our best to keep up with the workflow that we have. So, so no plans, but that doesn't mean we wouldn't do it. Oguma. I'm trying to keep playing 40K, but the addition doesn't suit me. The 360 view of vehicles and other little things that add up. Any advice how to enjoy this addition more? Yeah, don't play it. Play a different game. Now, I say that not tongue-in-cheek, but you don't force yourself to like a game. Now, there are some exceptions to that. If, for example, you love tabletop miniature wargaming, and the people you play with refuse to play anything else, well, then you've got to find a way to enjoy it or just not play it at all. Um, like, if, if, for example, if you have a group of friends that want to play D&D &D and they all want to play 2nd Edition, and you're like, I'd rather play 5th, but they all want to play 2nd Edition, so the only way you're going to play D&D is to play 2nd, well, then you just have to accept it. What I would do is, what I have found for myself, if you are forced to play it, meaning not obviously you're never forced to play it, but if you're forced to play it because you really have no alternative, so it's the only miniature wargaming you'll get in, is you've got to kind of forget what you don't like about the game. Like, for example, some people don't like how they replace templates with just D6 shots uh, or D3 shots. But you have to kind of think, it's no longer that game. It's a new game. They're not trying to represent a teardrop template anymore. This weapon just does D6 shots. Like, forget about it in the sense of a blast. Um, just abstract it beyond that. If you're thinking, well, the vehicle, it can shoot 360 degrees. It's like, well, before you had these physical weapons, and first off, that provided its own problems. It, but it did give a visually thematic look. But also, if you really want to abstract it, remember that the vehicles are constantly moving and that the turrets are moving and the weapons are moving. And so they, you know, their, their position on the battlefield is just an abstraction of the overall flow of battle. It's kind of like when two sides clash and they're doing close combat, they all just stand still and wait for each other to fall down. That's not what's actually happening. It's a swirl of combat, which is why they have the rule that you can't fire into combat in 40K is because there's not just this two lines. Well, I can fire into these guys. See, it's easy. It's like, well, no, they're swirling amongst each other. It's just chaos. So, you, if you, you, so that's, those are your two choices. One, if you don't have to play 40K, then don't. If you don't enjoy the game, heck, don't play it. Uh, but if it's, if it's really your only choice because it's what your friends or what your, your local gaming store plays, well, then you just have to kind of get used to it. So those are really your choices. The Glacial Geek. Hey, Glacial Geek. What other role-playing systems would you want to do content with if you had your choice? If I could just do, if I didn't have to worry about money being made, so, or the size of the audience. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition is by far my favorite, but I would try all sorts of stuff. I would want to play like Pathfinder. I would want to play, um, wait, hold on, Pat, not Pathfinder, Starfinder. Cause, oh, okay. Because yeah. Pathfinder to me, that's just an older edition of D&D. I get that it's way more than that, but if I'm going to try something different, I want it to be different. Um, I would probably play more Wrath and Glory, more Dark Heresy, um, but I'm not super familiar with all the different role-playing systems out there, I'll be honest. 
And so, so I'm not quite sure. Uh, I want to play, like for example, the Age of Sigmar new role-playing system is supposed to be. I haven't heard much more about it. It seems so quiet about it. But according to the sources I have, it's supposed to be coming out this summer. Cool. But the fact that I still haven't heard much about it makes me wonder if that's still the case. Because usually, you, if, a, if a big product line is coming out like that, you're going to get six to nine months of promotions beforehand, right? You would hope that they would do a decent amount of promotion yeah. for their own product. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wrath and Glory was a strange one. It just kind of it was a weird launch. Um, so, but this is a different company doing the Age of Sigmar one. I really want to try that one. I hope this, and I've said this before, I hope this system for Age of Sigmar role-playing game is adequate. It doesn't need to be awesome. Just don't get in the way. I, yeah. wa I want to play in the realms. I want to play with, because it's, they, thankfully, because of changing from fantasy to Age of Sigmar, which I think is an is a awesome move, eventually, once they got to second edition, <laughs> or at least partway through, for, once, once they got to 1.5, I should say, and now they've written more books and more stories about it and flesh out the universe. It is very different than the D&D universe. Uh, has a very different feel. There's a lot of similarities you can draw between the two. Of course, it's fantasy. Fantasy is fantasy is fantasy. But um, I just feel different about the Age of Sigmar. When I play D&D, I t think of it as a more typical fantasy setting. If, I'm, if we do an Age of Sigmar role-playing game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really accentuate the high fantasy aspect of it and have a lot of fun with that. Really lean into the steampunk nature of the dwarves and the and the uh, redonkulous magic of other things, and the talking trees, and the, the the realm gates, and you know the fantastic settings, and all of that. D and D, of course, can have all of that, but it's just there's a different feel to it. So, so yeah, so I really look forward to that, and want to do that when it comes out. Lil Rocker Dude. So at the bunker, we now have a store again. Does it feel like the OG mini wargaming again, or at least how does it feel to have a store again? Well, it's not our store, and it's not open yet, so I can't say. It's Max Aggression. Um, we'll be working closely with them, of course, but it's it's not our store. It doesn't feel anything like the original mini wargaming at all. The store is about the same size as the other store, but it has a 2,000 square foot gaming area to go with it. Um, and I'm, and I, yeah, this is just going to be different. It's going to be very different. So no, it doesn't feel like the original at all. Uh, Captain Spasmo, how about some Call of Cthulhu RPG action? Not my cup of tea. I'm not really a Cthulhu kind of guy. I'm not a horror kind of guy. I do enjoy a little element of horror. Like when we did the Wrath and Glory campaign, I definitely sprinkled in some elements of horror. But that's about as far as I go with it. I'm a big fan of horror. I think that's... I personally don't really... I'm not like a Lovecraft person or anything like that. But I would definitely give that a try. That sounds pretty cool. Well, see, here's the fun thing. If we ever end up... If the live if the live streaming of role playing games and other role playing content really takes off, then I'm not the only GM here. So there's other GMs, and so I don't have to be in every show, which means that we can play stuff that other people want to play. So right now we're playing D and D because I want to play D and D. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. That's why we're playing the show, not because it makes us tons of money, because it doesn't, um, and not because uh, I'm forced to play it because it's the most popular system. That's not why. I play it because it's my favorite. And I want to play it. And I want to play more of it. And so I came up with an excuse as how I could do it. And then you lovely viewers, even funded, well, it covers about a third of the cost. But still, enough funding that I was able to get Dave to agree to let me do it again. So during uh, our 24-hour live stream. So hopefully in the long run we'll find a way to make it fiscally possible so we can do it more regularly and do other role-playing content. Not at, not at the expense of our miniature working content, of course. Dylan Bauer, what would you like to see announced at Warhammer Fest? That they are redoing the Tyranid line. 
or they're they're giving them the primaris treatment where they don't redo it they're just they're adding on new stuff that makes your old stuff obsolete do you think that if they were to redo a line that like in, in i'm just trying to think of in games workshop size was that the one that they would co go to first no of course not Tyrannus is, is is not like they're they have to kind of look at how the the whole Warhammer 40k universe evolved. It started off as like Space Marines versus Chaos Space Marines, right? Tyrannids were introduced way later. Like even the genes to their cult originally, uh, they could be a Chaos cult. So it was just like this little offshoot thing. Necrons were a little okay. tiny offshoot thing. Um, the Tau was a little tiny offshoot thing. It was it was mainly I think the Orcs were one of the original big ones. It was basically space fantasy. And they had the chaos in fantasy, and so that became the ones in uh, in 40k. And all these other Xenos races, Tau, Necrons, I'm not sure about the history of Eldar with everything, but I think even Eldar um, and Tyranids, they all came later. So they're kind of just kind of forced into the narrative. If you really think about it, the narrative of the 40k universe is truly chaos versus the Imperium. Yes, the Necron threat is big enough that that kind of makes all that a moot point. Yes, the Tyranids are a threat that they can just if if they're if Games Workshop could write that they're big enough that they just go, oh look, we're being stopped by oh moving on to the next galaxy. <laughs> uh, like all all these wins that we have against the Tyranids are just like little tiny chips off the tooth of the entire beast kind of thing. It doesn't even notice. It's just like when you bite your food and it scratched to the inside of your cheek a little bit, the food. If you picture time moving really slowly for the food as your mouth comes down, and it's like it scratches the cheek and the cheek recedes a little bit. And it's like, yay, we got a victory! <laughs> oh! And then the rest of you just get eaten. That could be the Tyranids, for all we know. If Games Workshop wanted to write them that way. Or maybe this is the last. Maybe they're fleeing something else and we're going to beat them up and then they'll just become a remnant and a, and, a, and a cool little Xenos race that's just kind of scattered throughout the galaxy. That's up to Games Workshop what they do. But if, if they definitely were tacked on later on. So would the Tyranids be the one? No, it's it's Chaos versus Imperium. Um, I would love to see them do a lot more with all this stuff to make it more interesting. I've always said that they need to advance the storyline 5,000 years. Okay, that's that's not that's a lie. I haven't always said that. Recently, <laughs> recently I've come to the conclusion. I've been saying a lot in the in the recent time that they should advance the story 5,000 years, and that will allow them to really shake up. Give it the Age of Sigmar treatment without the Age of Sigmar treatment. Do you think the fact that their game is named after the year has kind of now pigeonholed themselves? No, because they've already gone to the... They're in the 43rd millennium now. I guess, yeah. So it's really 43K or 42K now, right? Uh, no, they... Because it, it actually... It was, it's was it been past the 40th millennium for a while. Okay, okay. So, no, it, it's, we're fine. Let's go to the 45th millennium. Heck, let's go to the 50... Make it 50K. <laughs> Warhammer 50,000. We've got Horus Heresy doing the 30,000 years, so let's, let's go forward. That would allow them to do so much. They could have the galaxy look totally different. The Tau can be totally different and have expanded. And they could have... Oh, I have so many cool ideas. Uh, they could finally... You know, they, could just, they could just shake it up, kind of like how they did... Now, Fantasy to Age of Sigmar was a little different. They went from a generic brand to something more specific. So yeah. it doesn't need that treatment. Fantasy going to Age of Sigmar needed the treatment for two reasons. One, their game kind of was stagnant. And two, the IP was too generic. So they decided to shake both of them up, and I and I, I think their decision was a great one. Did they do great on first? No, of course not. It was awful, but it's they it's obviously shown in the long run to be a great decision. So I'd love to see not the same thing with 40k, but where they shake it up is much more significant. Like eighth edition was coming out, and they were they were leading up with all this cool story. I'm like, cool. What are they going to do? What are they going to change? Oh, it's just yeah, okay. There's now more warps instead of the eye of terror. There's this is the big one. 
and now there's more chaos. Um, okay, but nothing's really, it doesn't feel any different. It's just now it's more desperate. Like, how can you get more desperate than the ridiculous amounts of desperate it already was? And I, I think they needed something else. I think they, they missed an opportunity there. Now, thankfully, never missed for good. So we'll see what they do, though. BBQXXGG, thinking of running a fun little made-up campaign locally with some friends. One of the battles is a small bunch of orcs are defending against a wave of 100-plus base marine infantry. Dot, dot, dot. That's a long comment. I can't see the full long comment. All right, where are we at? Sorry. If it's a super long one about, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a BB, oh, BBQXXG. Yep. So 100-plus space marine infantry. Thoughts. Uh, brackets. Roughly 40 intercessors, 40 tacticals, 30 scouts. The goal is to make it uh, to the other side by turn six. Must have at least oh, half the remaining right army alive within nine inches. You won't like it. If your goal is, if any any uh, narrative or any scenario where somebody has to get from one side of the board to the other, they're usually not fun. This game is not a game that allows for that type of movement. I can tell you that right off the bat. I've and having written many a narrative scenario to try to make things like that work. It rarely works. You have to have the perfect combination. It can't be foot slogger. It has to be things on, that are flying. And you've got to have ways to, to teleport things around. Yeah. You've got to get really wonky. The, Trying to get from one movement, side to the other. The movement is it's so... Just, it's too short. Yeah, between like just a guy on foot versus something like a, like a jet bike or something. And the moment you get in combat, you can't move. Exactly. You, yeah, you can retreat, but then you're just spending your whole turn retreating. Uh, mobility is just not one of the strong suits. Like, that's not totally true, but... The, scen the scenario of getting from one side of the table to the other is usually hard to make it winnable, and if, even if it's winnable, it's not very fun. So, that, that's that's usually the case. You might be able to find a way to do it, but that's my opinion. Geofit, so I'm going to answer this one, then I'm going to go over to some vault ones. How many times since the move have you accidentally made the turn to go towards the old office instead of the bunker? I did that a few times at the very beginning. Uh, two days in a row, it was very frustrating, because you have to understand, when I'm driving, there's a certain point where I have to turn right instead of going straight. And the moment I move, go straight, there is nowhere to turn around for like five to ten more miles. It's so it's so annoying when I would miss that. Where was it? Just oh, on, so on Woodlawn. Is that just I'm supposed to turn mall? right onto Niagara Street, and instead I would go straight. And so I'd have to turn into the mall, go through the mall parking lot, and then come all. And it's, yep. it's just an extra like two or three minutes. And, or I can just go this way and come around, which is also two or three minutes extra. And that doesn't sound like a lot of extra time, but it's a seven-minute drive. So you turn seven minutes to ten, it feels like a long time. I have, I have the problem with, yeah, I, I'm going to sit out the same road, but instead of making a turn early, I go farther out. And, right. Uh, and then if I turn onto that road, I can't get to where I want to go. So I literally have to rip a U-turn. It's a country road, so it's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, not but, as bad. Not as bad, right? But it's still like, oh, rip U-turn. Uh, 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 turn back around. Feel like an idiot. <laughs> Okay, so let's go over to some of our vault members' questions that were submitted throughout the week. Just a few. Uh, okay, Megram29. Matt, how do you feel about the various unique summoning mechanisms in the Age of Sigmar? Um, I like them, for the most part. But I'll continue. You have more written here. I've consistently been on the receiving end of an extra 150 to 250 points showing up in my battle round three and turning a fun close match into a defeat. Although I understand there's a bit more to it, it makes it feel like I'm playing 1,000 points against 1,500 points. Even on the receiving end, I enjoy the cool factor, but I'm not sure how to play against it. The problem is right now, not every army has access to it. And certain armies do a lot better than others. 
Um, so it's not very, I would say right now, it's, it's not very well balanced at all. But the idea behind it is fun. It's definitely a lot better than the whole reinforcement points thing, which is nonsense, where you gotta like put aside points so you can bring in things, maybe. It's like, well, why put aside points when I can just bring those things, for sure. Like not, I don't have to rely on some summoning technique, I can just have them on the table. So, for the most part, I've, and I've played a lot of games of Age of Sigmar, and I've played against armies I can summon, and that hasn't ruined the game. Uh, usually it's a desperate attempt to get a new unit onto an objective. You have to just plan for it. And I say that, I, I hate when people say that, you just have to plan for it because, well, if something just sucks, it sucks, right? But you have to, you have to remember, oh, I'm, if I'm leaving this objective and they can summon, I gotta remember that they might be able to grab that objective. Um, and, or if you're playing against Blades of Core and you gotta, you gotta consider what you're going to charge and what you're going to kill. So that, that does add another element to it. There's other ones that you don't have any control over, like, uh, if you're playing against uh, Seraphin, for example, they can easily get the points up really fast. But for the most part, I find that it adds a cool element to the game, but I do agree that it's still not balanced. Fear... I'll just say it. Fear the Nads. <laughs> You're a vault member. You've earned me. You've earned the right for me to say that. That doesn't mean I'll say anything. Okay, being pretty much surrounded by the lore on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm wondering, do you think GW has planted any seeds for any potential new races in the 40k universe that could wind up seeing life on the tabletop? Uh, I'm not really surrounded by the lore on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm surrounded by many wargaming on a day-to-day -day basis. But having said that, I've read a lot of books for 40k. Yeah, there's tons. They have mentioned a bajillion different Xeno species. And they can just give them the Tau treatment. The Tau basically disappeared for a few thousand years, and then they're a powerhouse, so... What's to stop them from doing that? Also, there's tons of the galaxy. You have to realize that you look at the galaxy map of 40k and it feels like it's all explored, but very little of it actually is explored. There's tons of planets and systems that are behind warp storms or just, you know, out of the way that nobody knows about and there could be a superior technological race just waiting to come up or some other thing. Do you have any ideas for a race you would like to see brought in? Not really. Oh, yes, I know. New Tyranids. Sorry, that said like broken like Thanks, and all the best going forward in the new location. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely could. They, have, they would have no problem bringing it in. Whether they could bring in another major race, that would be difficult. But they could bring in a lot of smaller races. That could be fun. They've already been kind of doing that, too. Like, you look at um, Black Fortress, Blackstone Fortress, and they've introduced, like, the, uh, the Man of Iron, yeah, right? Yeah, that's and, true. And the um, Urghuls, and the, what's the, the big monster? What's oh, I'm... No. The hawking monster. The I almost called it an umber hawk. Yeah, it's like an umber. It kind of looks like an umber hawk. Uh, chat, uh, help. What is that monster called? Uh, but anyways, yeah, there's that. But that's a Xenos monster, right? So that's its own species. It's not chaos. It's its own Xenos species. So they they've kind of already do that, and I, I like that. I like that they keep fleshing out those things. So I hope they do more of that. Oh, boy. Zergalurgaderg. You've got a new intro for me here. Sorry, I didn't read it at the beginning. Good morning, Terra. Today we are joined by the man behind the magic, the architect of destruction, the commander of the Sentinels of the Forge, Mini Wargaming's Master of Ceremonies, Matthew McDancelots. This episode of Good Morning, Terra is brought to you by the realm of Gur, a sun-dappled forest clearing teeming with life, a rampaging thunder tusk adding a splash of red to the white snowy landscape, a horde of slavering, or slavering greenskins intent upon feasting on your flesh, the sounds of beats echoing through the endless plains. That's the sound of freedom. That's the sound of the wild. That's Pure Gur. Plan your trip at your local Realmgate. <laughs> That's really good. I'm impressed. So today, Matthew, the viewers at home have many pressing questions, so let's just get to it. 
as you've done an amazing job of creating multiple epic storylines in your narrative campaigns, how would you react if Games Workshop ever approached you, asking if they could use any of these characters, be it a new orc faction of the Death Watch, or perhaps the super elite watchers of Death Stormcast Eternal's Army in the other published works or as a new playable factions in those games? First off, they wouldn't need my permission. I am the one making the derivative works, so they could theoretically just come up with something similar. Well, I, would, I would say yes, and I wouldn't be able to charge them anything for it, because once again, it is their IP. That would be fun, though. With the advent of several new narrative campaigns, Fallout, Resident Evil, etc., and with the assistance of Miles Drakes, who's awesome, with writing, are you hoping that the amount of narrative campaigns will increase as you become more established? Yes. Um, also partly because of the events that will run that will actually have guests participating more in narrative campaigns that will allow us to film more of them. Now for a fun one, if you could take... Oh boy, here we go. If you could take one army from AOS and bring it to 40k and vice versa, not including the ones that can play in both, which would you choose and how would you make them work in that new universe? Well, they pretty much already done that. Like you have... Um, you've got Space Marines and now you've got Stormcast Eternals. I would want Imperial Guard and Age of Sigmar. I've been saying that for a while. And for... What I would bring back to 40k, uh, Seraphin. Bring Seraphin to 40k, and let them be ridden by Eldar, and we'll call that the the, the Exodite worlds because that's exactly what they are. It's a bunch of Eldar riding dinosaurs. Thank you, Matthew, for your time today, and thank you, loyal viewers, for tuning in. Now we hand it off to Colin with a report on how the orcs are smuggling squigs into heavily guarded areas between guardsmen's toes. Colin. You're awesome, Zergler Derek. Um, King Snake, 1986. On this year, later on this year, Fox is releasing an alien tabletop RPG. I'm really excited for it myself. Would you guys be up for playing it? That falls in that realm of questions of, will you play this game? I don't know, maybe. They're doing two types of gameplay. Cinematic, which is pre-made scenarios, made it to be played in one or two sessions in a campaign mode. Yeah, it sounds cool. I'm, I'm not a huge alien fan myself. I haven't actually seen the alien movies. But being how they are embedded so much in our pop culture. I, I know the Alien movies because I've seen so many clips of them that I feel like I've watched the movies, but I actually haven't watched the movies. And they're cool, they're classics, and I can appreciate that, but I'm not interested. The Danish Viking Alex. Hi, Matt. Please make the intro for Jagdvir and Tor available for download. Jagdvir, Jagdvir and Tor. Jagdvir and Tor. Looking for more. Jagdvir and Tor. I would like it as my ringtone. Is there a plan to make Jagdvir and Tor season two? Uh, not yet. With once again, that falls under the, the the soundboard questions of it's more than four weeks away, so I don't know the answer. <laughs> so I feel like that should be one of them. Grendal, is there any way these sit and talks can be made into a podcast so those of us who have long commutes can listen to them as we go to and from work? You used to convert them way back, way back when you first started these sit and talks. Now we already podcast our RPG I, shows. Yeah, actually, now that we're in the new building, I was actually planning on doing it. So, um, all right, we'll, 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 we'll make this happen. Make it so. Done. It'll it'll happen. And uh, if you don't have us followed on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any of the other podcast forms, uh, you should follow us there. And that's uh, where they get posted, right? Yep. And obviously, the sit and talk we do it Thursday, and then it'll come out on Saturday, just at the same time as the YouTube. One, I can set it to schedule the upload, so it'll come out at the same time, so nobody will have an advantage either or, and uh, there you go. I don't really uh, care uh, we'll make that advantage. a thing. Whatever. I'm going to write it on this little whiteboard I there have you go. and make it official. All right, Colin's going to work on that. Make it so. Look at that. I'm Captain John Luck Pickard. Okay. GBC 343. Hi, Matt. Salutations and congrats on the new building. Thank you. It's looking nice. 
Question, I've been hearing quite a bit of talk lately on websites and in hobby areas that the 40k rule set is getting a little bogged down in tons of beta rules, FAQ erratas, and arguable, arguably flawed attempts to rein in cheese and soup lists. A common fix I hear is that, they, that maybe a new addition is needed to smooth the rules out again and correct inherent... No, that's not the solution, trust me. And correct inherent issues with the rules mechanics. What do you think? Okay, here's what I think. They're damned if they do, and they are damned if they don't. Because what happened in 7th edition, it got bogged down too. But one of the major problems with 7th edition is they didn't errata things quickly. They didn't put out regular big FAQs, and they didn't do a chapter approved on a yearly basis to help balance things. And people complained about that. They complained about how old things just stayed old, and the newer stuff kept trumping the old stuff. Now they've heard all those things, and they've realized, hey, if we want to make a better game, we need to regularly have erratas, regularly have FAQs, make chapter approved every year so that we can retool and rebalance things and introduce some fun extra beta rules and fun stuff like that. I think what they're doing is perfect. It is impossible to run a game as complex as 40k, keep adding new codexes to it and new beta rules to it without it feeling bogged down. Somebody who's a regular can keep up, but somebody who's new coming in is going to have a hard time. That's just going to happen with a game like this. You just got to put in the time to learn the rules. The alternative is to have a simpler game and people don't want that. Not for 40k at least. If they want a simpler game, there's plenty of others that are great and simple. 40k is not meant to be that. So I think they're doing exactly what the community's asked for, and not the community is getting it. Some people are like, hey, I don't want this much stuff. And But I think it's making them way more money than not doing it, so it's definitely worth it to do. Uh, having a new edition as a fix is not a fix. And the reason I'm going to tell you that is because when 8th edition came out, they had to, because it was such a big change, they had to redo every single codex. And so what they did is they put out the indexes, which were not a big fix. They were... I, saying they were a mess is not the right word, because they were actually very well organized. It's more that balance was all over the place. And because they didn't have the codexes to give them all purpose. And so then they rapidly came out with all the codexes, or at least a lot of them, to, to help that. And now it's great. So there is no quick fix to this kind of thing. It's a complex game. There are a lot of factions, a ton of models within those factions, and a lot of rules to balance. And I think they're doing a great job. Um, I've heard complaints that the detachment-based system for list building in 40k is too abusable. I do agree with that, and favors some armies more than others, definitely. Any army building system will favor some armies over others, though. There's, there's no way around that. If I say, well, we're only going to use the uh, battalion, for example, then people can be like, well, that favors armies that can fit nicely within that. What if I'm an army that likes to break, I have access to a lot of really good fast attack. I can only bring three fast attack. That's, that's a, uh, whereas somebody else has really good troops compared to my troops, and they can bring six troop choices. So the, I think the major problem with uh, the detachment system is the Supreme Command detachment should not even be there. It should not exist. Or they need to add, make the Lords of War a required part of the Supreme Command detachment. Um, also, if this, somebody, I can't remember who said it the other day, made a really good point. If you have a Supreme Command detachment, your warlord has to be in there because it's the frickin' Supreme Command Detachment. Yeah, that makes sense. Because so often it's abused. Like, this is my Imperial Guard Army with the Supreme Command Detachment of my three Custodes bikes. Mm -hmm. It's like, why aren't they in charge? This, the freaking Supreme <laughs> Command Detachment. They're Custodes. It's like, no, no, they're just... You know, they, this is my CP generating bubble. and so These but we're gonna, guys just showed up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is an Astro Military Army, so I can have access to all that cool stuff. Uh, I think also a lot of the other ones that only give you one command point. See, those ones are fine because they only give you one command point. It's really the Supreme Command Detachment. That's the one that bothers me the most. So, 
the I think it's just it's it's a complex game and it's going to be hard to have a balanced system of making it. 30k has a better system, but they're also way less complex. There's there's mainly space marine armies and they're all just different flavors of each other. So it it seems more balanced, but it's just actually there's less variety to it. Like chess is more balanced than 40k, but there's literally two armies and the only difference is that one gets to go first. That's the only difference of those two armies. And obviously the position of the king and the queen, so that they're facing each other. So, yeah. Lastly, is anyone in the studio adopting the Hedonites of Slanesh? Just curious. Cheers. Yeah, Vito and Steve. Um, cool people. Yeah, we've already had some battle reports go up for it. So, yeah, this is four days ago, so I think there's already been battle reports put up for it. Miso Miso. Hey, Matt, what happened to your Twitter? <laughs> I just didn't have time. <laughs> it was ambitious. I'm like, I'm going to have my own personal Twitter, and I'm going to reply to everybody. How long ago was that? That was like a year ago. Oh, okay. Um, and, and I lasted like, I think, two weeks. And then I'm like, oh, so much work. I don't have time for this. Uh, you could have tweeted out during the move. It would have been epic. Yeah, instead we just posted on our Facebook. I just can't keep up. I just don't have the time. I'd rather be... So many other things I'd rather be doing. Two, how was the move? And how is life in the new building? I already answered that, so let's move on. Three, have you read the Warhammer Young Kids books yet? You once said you would and review them. How are they? I haven't got... I, like They were actually going to... We are, yeah, I haven't got them yet. I was do want to read them. We just got that. Oh, okay. Grim, Grim sent one. So okay. I'll have to take a look. Four, what is next for mini wargaming role playing? I already answered that. Have you thought about getting staff to stream themselves playing video games? <laughs> they keep asking. I'm not paying you to play video games. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Uh, some magic they could gather in Arena by Luca in the evenings could help grow the Twitch a bit, even if it increased staff costs a little. Not worth it, man. So you grow the Twitch a bit when I'm paying off. I, I would gladly play yeah, Of course you would. Of I course you play would. Every, almost every day when exactly. I Exactly. I'm not paying overtime to do that. And if it's not overtime, <laughs> that means you're not making battle reports. I'd rather than be making battle reports. Six, have you seen Avengers Endgame? Oh, yes. And or the Batter of Winterfell. And if so, what are your thoughts on it? That's from Game of Thrones. Oh, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, but I heard, I've been hearing people complain about Season 8 of Game of Thrones, but having not followed it, I don't really have any comment. It's not been my favorite. It kind of feels like when you get to the end of a show and you're like, I just want to see it end. Like, you're just, just like, kind I'm of just, drawn out. I, I have committed so much time, but let's just, I'm just going to see how it ends. Right. So and then they kind of draw I, it out. I, I've been, it's been a little bit of a grind. Yeah. Where, but I mean. I get that. I get that. Well, TV shows often fall into that trap. Exactly. Where they're like, well, we can't reveal the big thing yet because then people will stop watching. Like that's how they, they most writers of TV shows ruin, they, they ruin how to write relationships between two people because it's like, you know, there's always the, the, will this relationship blossom? And then it does. And they're like, what do we do now? And then they usually ruin it. Very few instances where they don't. Uh, they did a good job in The Office with like Jim and Pam. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine with Amy Santiago and uh, goodness, why can't it? Jake, Jake Peralta, of course. But for the most part, they just don't know what to do with a good relationship once it's put together. The writer, I, are all writers in Hollywood like, like do they have bad relationships because they just feel like none of them know how to write a good relationship. It's like, oh, they got together and now they're divorced. Because <laughs> that's how all relationships end, right? I have seen Avengers Endgame, loved it. It was fantastic. I'm obviously not going to say anything about it. Don't want to do any spoilers because we're still pretty early on since it's been released, so we're still in the spoiler zone. One more vault comment, and then I'll come back to the questions in the live. Big Mikey, how does how goes it, sir? It goes well, sir. I know it was a month or so ago, uh, but how was Adepticon? Any new games you saw? It was, Adepticon was a lot of fun. My wife and I enjoyed it a lot. Any new games you saw that you would love to try out, either on the channel or Private Gaming Life? I always see lots of games I want to play, but just knowing I don't have time for it, I try not to get too excited. 
I got into uh, Champions, the new Age of Sigmar card game, a little bit, and then I had to uninstall that for my iPad because that was time-consuming. And it's also a really good game. It is a good game, though. That's why I had to uninstall it. That's how I treat my gaming life, like video games, is I install a game, lose control, and then uninstall the game. I just can't do it. Uh, the only games I seem to be able to pace are, I actually have a, an HTC Vive, a virtual, virtual reality system. Those are the only okay. ones where I can pace myself because you're physically playing. So you actually right. get tired, yeah. which is great. It means that you're video gaming, but you're getting some exercise at the same time. So I have, I have fun with that. I was also wondering if going to Depticon or other large events sometimes loses some of its magic because of any need you feel to network and reach out. Actually, that's why I enjoy it. I enjoy the networking. Um, keep on being awesome. Bunker looks amazing. Can't wait to come play there. Well, thank you. All right, back to Streambot. I got a lot of more questions to try to get through. I, I, don't, I won't get through all of them, but I'll do my best. Balfour, any significant models or train that just lost or broken during the move? Able to repair everything? Actually, we did pretty well. Yeah, I don't. There was little bits of breakages here and there, but nothing major. No. So, very yeah, and, and everything made it over. I don't think there's one. Obviously, there's those first couple days where you're like, things are missing because they're packed away in boxes, but I think everything is. We found pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day I was looking for something I couldn't remember or I couldn't find it. It just seems to have gone missing. But for the moment, like 99.9% it was great. Now Snow. Where is Lee set up now in the new building? Is the Fungin no more? Oh, he has a Fungin again. It's just in a different spot. It's just down in the basement again. Down at the end. There's, he's got his own little studio. It's called the Mech Shop on the door. Sure. And uh, I wouldn't have showed it off in today's open vault. Um, but it's definitely been shown. We, in our yeah. Videos. If you go back to last week, it's near the end of the open vault. And... Now that the building's larger, open vaults get longer because I have to walk. It's a lot of walking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just walking through the building is a long open Exactly. Then for you, when will you have tournaments at the new place? Are there plans to make battle reports from games there and thus showing tournament level games and battle reports? Uh, when? Soon. Are there plans to make battle reports from games there? We'll see. I think so. We're going to try to make that work. But it's, there's, there's complications with that because tournament games typically have a time limit and filming takes longer. And so we'll have to find a way to make it work. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to do. Miso Miso. Lost Laboratory of Qualish is a great choice. Which do you prefer? Tomb Annihilation and, or Curse of Strahd? Tomb Annihilation, hands down. I have fun playing Curse of Strahd. And again, Colin can probably actually weigh in a little better because I'm biased because I DM Tomb Annihilation and I play in Curse of Strahd. And I've come to realize that I much more enjoy being a dungeon master than a player. Uh, having said that, Curse of Strahd kicks you in the nads repeatedly. And I'm not a fan of that kind of playstyle. I found a way to make it work. I created a character who just doesn't care. And ironically, he's been my best character and best performing character, even though his stats kind of are mediocre. He's literally average. His name is Peter. Inspired by the Deadpool 2 movie, I believe it was. I never yeah, saw the Deadpool movie, but I, I saw the, I saw the uh, trailer for it, and Peter shows up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I want to play that guy. Just average looking, no superpowers. Now, he is a sorcerer, so obviously he has some superpowers, but you can't play D&D without having some sort of superpower, right? Um, so, but I, I, I love playing Tomb Annihilation way more, but I'm also the DM. Yeah. What I do think. you think, Colin? And don't feel bad if it's Curse no, of Strahd. Because um, Colin's recently joined our Tomb Annihilation campaign. I mean, that's... So he's only been playing for a few sessions. Thing. At so least, at if least he says he doesn't me. like it the best, that's, he just doesn't, hasn't played it long enough to know that he likes it the best. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think that's part of it, honestly, because I've now done... This will be my third Tomb of Annihilation session. Yeah, so I'm started. still trying to figure started. out where my character fits in, and not to, you know, and in that classic, like, I mean, it's pretty much the same group. There is one additional person. 
Yeah, we, that isn't you, right? Yeah, we swap it. There's one player we swap out. That's why we do a different campaign every week because one person could only make it every other week. And so, Luca only comes every yeah, other week. Yeah, and, and that's true, right? So that worked out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I right now I like Strahd because I also, I'm a fan of the punish. I, like I, I love the punishment. I enjoy the punishment mechanics. It, it makes me feel like it's very much reminiscent of old D&D where it was a, a grind. lot more like, well, I made it to level four and that's an accomplishment. Right. <laughs> I'm still alive. So, uh, yeah, like, and it's, it's very different to uh, obviously this being my first delve into 5e as well. So, uh, Curse of Strahd because I played it longer, but uh, I really enjoy my characters for both. Yeah. So I, I always typically lean more towards the melee ta- melee tank characters. Yeah. And especially in older editions, when they got higher levels, they the magic users would overshadow them more. So I'm interested to see what happens once my characters get to those kind of points. Yeah, I think it's the opposite in this one. Of the actually, no, no, that's not true. Ah, we'll see. Um, Miso Miso says Curse of Strahd is thought of as the best. Fifth edition module by a long way. I don't know if I agree with that. I've done a lot of research on that, and there's a lot of uh, controversy on that controversy in the gaming world. Not, not like real controversy. That it seems to be that con- I think Curse of Strahd is a polarizing one that you either love it or you hate it because it's such a grind. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I love the grind. And other people are like, I just want to play and have fun. Like, mm-hmm. make tur- turn it being like, yeah. oh look, this NPC gave us this quest. Bam, dead end. <laughs> well, but okay, well this. We walked by this building on our way to the level one place. It must be okay. Nope, you're dead. Uh, literally, I died at that place. I'm not going to say what it is. I don't want to do spoilers. It's like, oh, but we, we had this random encounter with this thing that told us to come to this place and talk to him. Okay. Oh, it's full of revenants, <laughs> and they killed us. Uh, what are we supposed to do? You're literally supposed to wander around and just grind up to the higher level until you beat Strahd is what I think it is. And so some people might not enjoy that. Uh huh, and, and and that's really yeah the the how your group plays and also like the what setting you enjoy. where where Tomb of Annihilation I feel like a lot of the modules you can kind of theme them in different ways or, or their genre isn't very like one way yeah where Strahd is very much horror yeah exactly you're where not, you you're not supposed to feel Hon- happy there you're supposed to feel despair yeah you're supposed you, to enjoy that you're if you to wanted to you can make Tomb of Annihilation horror. Oh, yeah. Or you can make it super high fantasy or super adventure based and all yeah. that kind and of stuff. I try stuff. to blend them all together, right? Give mm-hmm. ses- certain sessions where they're feeling like, holy crap, this is hard, and other sessions where they feel more heroic, Indiana Jones style kind of thing, right? So, yeah. Anyway. Let's answer a few more questions. The Glacial Geek! Phil! What are you most excited about doing, trying that the bunker will allow that the previous location didn't? Everything that we wanted to come here for. I'm very excited for all the events, which is a big part of what we're doing. I'm excited that guests can stay here. Um, and I'm excited to have a store. Um, what I'm really excited for is the fact that when five o'clock hits, it doesn't just stop. That you know, there's still energy in the building, and there's still stuff going on. And uh, our guests have things to do. Uh, heck, I could have something to do if I wanted to. It's nice to have a local gaming store, a local place to play. And you might think that's funny coming from me, but I, I don't have a place where I can go and play just for fun. Because um, you know, there's a limited number of people to choose from, and uh, employees. I know that. Uh, now that I get notifications whenever somebody unlocks the security system, I knew that people, our employees, hang out after work a lot. I didn't realize how much. <laughs> just how often. I'm just like, whoa, geez, tonight too, eh? I open the security cameras, and I'm like, yep, they're there again. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just uh, don't want to go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's great. So now with this new place, I'll actually have more stuff to do, which is exciting. And, and I'm very excited for that, getting that, and hopefully building up that local community. And uh, just... 
obviously, as one of the people who doesn't play as often here, that's really awesome for me because yeah, I'm gonna get any more games. Yeah, actually, like same thing with Chris and Aaron. Exactly. They'll, they'll enjoy that more. Circle Ergoder, hey Matt, near guys Dungeons and Dragons campaigns, do you guys do silly accents that they're embarrassed to do on camera? Uh, we do silly accents. I don't know, guys. <laughs> is that going to be the accent this for your guys? This is pretty weird. Oh no, that's your that's your one for Christmas draw. Yeah, that's my Christmas draw accent. Oh, I'm as a DM, I love doing silly accents. Uh, I absolutely love it. I I'm not embarrassed at all. I have fun, and they're not necessarily good accents. I just make crap up. Um, Steve is not much of an accent doer. You're gonna hear Vito do an accent. Uh, Jeremy is more just, he keeps his own voice. Colin, are you going to be putting on an accent for your I, character? I, I have something in mind. It won't necessarily be an accent, but it's definitely going to be a different like voice. Like a different voice? Yeah. I always appreciate it when people try to put on a different voice for the character. It's never a requirement, though. I don't want... There are, there are disadvantages to things like Critical Role coming out, where, you know, here's a bunch of trained voice actors, and so not everybody else expects that, and that shouldn't be an expectation. It should never be. Nobody should ever be shamed into thinking, if you're not doing a special voice, you're doing it wrong. Oh, sorry, no. Different people enjoy different things. Um, I personally enjoy, like, and it's funny because of the GM, I do different voices, but like my characters in Curse of Strahd, I keep thinking of different voices, but then I always end up kind of gravitating back to my own voice because I have a hard time maintaining a silly voice in a character for a long time, unless it's extreme. Um, because there's also disadvantages to that too. It's hard to be taken seriously when you have a weird accent the whole time. Yes. <laughs> but it's also fun. Exactly, yeah. My... One of my biggest things is like, like, I am a fairly awkward person, but I always, I always have the mindset of like, I will, when I come to a D&D table, it's just like, whatever, I'm going to go home and I'm going to like lay in bed and be like, I am so embarrassed. No, it's, but you, you got to let it's loose. It's like, it's, I just got to fight through it. And it's just like, it's so much fun in the moment. And there's the moments of like, uh, why did I do that? And then it's like, go back next week, do the same thing, have a blast. So... I just push through it and uh, have so much fun that it makes it all worth it. Definitely. Catfish, thoughts of the new Slanesh models. Uh, mixed emotions. I'm never a big fan of Slanesh. I don't like the whole sexual nature of it. And you can go on as why I'm wrong. I don't really care. That's what I feel. Um, but the same, they, they both did a better job of it and at the same time did a worse job of it. Like you got the new uh, greater demon or whatever that big character is. And you know it's it's better covered, but then you have like the the other like it's a lot of it's a lot of BDSM. It feels like <laughs> like just let's call a spade a spade, right? Oh yeah, that's and, that, that and, and I'm like and I, it's just I don't think it's necessary. Slanesh represents so much more than just excess sex. She represents excess of so much. But the problem is we already have a god of excess violence and a god of excess um, eating. Essentially, I know that's not what Nurgle is, but it's for sure what is what he looks like. Um, and Zinch is not really excess. Uh, they're all excess or something, but you know what I mean? So they kind of decided to focus on the sexual part of it, which I'm disappointed by. I know people enjoy the mature nature of certain things, but I don't want that in the games that I play. So, But they, 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 they did a, it's like better, but worse at the same time. So yeah. I'm not a big Slanesh fan. I think there's so much opportunity for that god or goddess that they're they're missing on. Skull ZDM, is Dave going to let you guys help design the escape rooms? I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I mean, I would want to enjoy nah. it. So I actually... I don't, yeah, I want to I participate in yeah, it. Yeah, like, I don't want to be a part of it for that reason. Yeah. 
Chrome Striker, in regards to the RPG games and D&D, what do you think of the recent Critical Role Kickstarter and its crazy success? I think it's crazy success. $11 million. I actually look forward to seeing that series. Uh, I think they deserve it. I think they're awesome, and they've done a great job in promoting the hobby in, this, uh, in the community and helping so many other channels to want to start and inspiring their, the way of that. A big, big shout-out to Geek & Sundry for getting them going. Because um, I know they split from Geek & Sundry, but they wouldn't be there without Geek & Sundry. So huge shout-out to Geek & Sundry and to the cast of Critical Role for such an amazing show. I'm not even a viewer. Like, I don't watch their show. I don't have time to watch a four- or five-hour show every week. Uh, but I've watched so many clips. I've, I read all of the synopses on D&D Beyond. I'm sad that they're stopping those. Because now I have to watch a video to get the synopses. I prefer <laughs> actually reading the synopses. Um, I just really enjoy everything they've done for the hobby. So it's really cool that they're getting this thing done. It's weird. It's weird. Like, hey, we're going to make an animated show. Like, I, I, I'm curious to see how it turns out, to see if it's any good. And, like, they've been great at D&D. That doesn't mean it's going to be a good animated show. Right. There's been so many famous people who get shows or, or you know, YouTubers oh, yeah. that gone to some other platform and, yes, and it's garbage. just never really works out, heck, right? Heck, so, you have Hollywood stuff that's... The majority of it is garbage. And then that's the thing. And a lot of it, I don't want to sound too general, but, you know, once you start getting more people, more production, less control over certain things, exactly. that, that could impact on the quality. We'll see. Their little previews were really cool, but it's also cool because you really know the characters. And so it makes you wonder if somebody walking into it blind. That's kind of like Avengers Endgame. I think that game is a 95% if you've seen all the movies and probably like a 70% if you haven't. Because you're not going to get hardly anything of the, of the references. You have It's so good because it had all those movies and years to build up to it, to develop all those characters, that they could do simple little things and, and you could appreciate it. Whereas somebody watching it would be like, why was that such a big deal that he did that? Uh, so many epic moments. Like, I knew it! Don't want to say anything more than that. I am Anybody who watched the movie would probably know what I just oh, referenced oh, yeah. there. And that was just like, oh, it's so cool! But that only worked because of the setup over so many movies. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the same thing, that I think the, the fans of Critical Role will love the animated series no matter how it turns out, but I don't know if the general public will. Because remember, as, as popular as Critical Role is, they're still far from popularity of, of major TV shows and movies. Like their, their audience size is, you know, their episodes get half a million views, which is great. In the internet terms, that is awesome. But like in Hollywood terms, it's still a smaller show. So put that to the general public with your... Let's call it what it is, a generic fantasy. It's, uh, what does it introduce that other ones don't do? I don't know. And so I'm curious to see how it turns out. Really cool Kickstarter, though. It's going to take forever before you see the results of it because animation takes a long time. So, yes. But I, I really do look forward to it. Animation is a, is a process. But my biggest one thing about Endgame, I would like to know how it's going to age. Age? Age. What do you mean? Because it's Because of that exact problem of if I was to have kids, how do I be like, Dad, what's your favorite movie? Well, it's this. Well, Endgame's not my favorite movie. No, I'm, not I'm, I'm just trying to think of, like, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, at least if I say Lord of the Rings, you're just like, just watch these three movies. People could do that. Yeah. Like, I like Endgame. Uh, you got to watch, like, all these movies to uh, get except, to where you are. Except the Hulk. I never saw that one. I never saw that one either. <laughs> it's the only one I haven't seen. Oh, I haven't seen Captain Marvel really yet. Like, I haven't had a chance. I actually didn't either, but I do really like Edward Norton, and I never did see the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. But I like Mark Ruffalo, too, so. Oh, Mark yeah. Ruffalo's a great Hulk. Especially in that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't care how it's going to age. I enjoyed no, it. No, no, I enjoyed for, it. For what it is, and it's fantastic, I just hope it stays fantastic. And once the whole, like, another generation, it's just that 
it's not a single entity, so you can't just be like, Yeah, oh, no, you have to oh, look at it as a whole. Anyone else, just go watch it. It's like the last movie. book of a book series. You can't be like, yeah. oh, that's my favorite book ever. It's like, yes, but it couldn't be without the mm -hmm. rest. So I think it, yeah, it's, it's, it's everything in context, right? Like, what movie series has done what they've done? None of them have. Nothing. And you can't, like, you look at, you know, the, everyone's favorite one to hate, Star Wars, for example. They, even though they have a, almost... Like they have about half the quantity of movies that the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. did, but that's spread over 40 years. And so there's no consistency to it. You have the first three movies, which were, which were great, love them or whatever, you like them or even don't. Even though they, those three movies weren't even directed by the same person. Right. Um, and then you have the prequels, which were done differently with different everything. And so they turned out the way they did, whether you loved them or hated them. I didn't like them. And then you have the like Rogue, uh, Rogue One. You've got the, the, the yeah Solo. Solo was a great movie. I loved it. Um, I, I think it was great. Uh, did it, sure, it felt like Star Wars, and but it's just a weird movie. It's, I love it. <laughs> and then you've got Star Wars Seven and Eight, and that pile of wonderful experience. It's it's just so and it's so polarizing, right? But that's so different. Like, and that's the closest thing you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like really what other series? Uh, like you get like the James Bond series, but that that doesn't try to be consistent. You no, get that, the, that's literally rebooting. It feels like yeah, it's a reboot every couple of movies. And mm -hmm. that's cool. That's a cool thing to it, right? And some of them are good and some of them are not as good. And some of them are just downright bad. But nobody <laughs> like what movie series has done what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done? I think this is the first in history. Oh, I, I believe so. And it's gonna be I can't be think of anything else. No, I, I don't think this has ever been done before. And it'll be interesting to see how this impacts everything in the future and you can see other people trying to do it and I mean over the recent years there's been a couple of the movies that they try to draw together like the Cloverfield ones for example right they they've tried to just pull some movies that oh these are random dystopian things that and well, it um, turns out they're all JJ Abrams is like eh, my universe right that's and not the same though that's not the same yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't have because no. on, on top of that, you're all you're, you can't just look at it in the vacuum of the movies either. You've got years and years, decades of the comic books for sure to build right? all the stories and the fan base and everything else. So you just you have nothing comparable to it. So, anyways, you had another part of that question about the Kickstarter with Critical Role. I think that's can you find this one for me, Chrome Striker? Chrome uh, Striker. Yeah, I think that's a good indication for the future of your live stream. Dot dot dot. I wish my keyboard worked and I could Control F and just find it. Chrome Striker, it's going to be a longer Whoa. one. Oh, it works for a second. I no. hit Control F, but I can't type it in. <laughs> At least you can still scroll with your mouse. You find scroll Chrome Striker? Ah, there you found them, so you can copy and paste. It, uh, it didn't work? I have to copy and paste letters at a time. Oh, no, don't do that. Just scroll, man. <laughs> scroll. Okay. Uh, Let me try to guess what your question is. Think that's a good indication for the future of your live stream? Blah, 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 blah. Would you run your own Kickstarters? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it really has anything to do with us, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what that even means for us because it's just such a different thing altogether. Their show is very different than what we do. That Kickstarter is very different than what we do. So it's hard to make a comparison in such a generalistic way. Grimjaw, what do you think of the Warhammer Adventure bits made for the younger audience? It is a smart move in your opinion? I, I don't know. I haven't read it yet. And thank you, Grim, for the cookies and for the Warhammer Adventures book. I'll let you know once I've read it. I think it's a good idea, but I don't know. Warhammer 40k needs a younger audience. It just, it's not really its audience for many reasons. Dylan Bauer, will there be any more map plays with Forge World? Uh, maybe. I kind of, I didn't really get good reception on that. 
not that people are negative, but it just got way less views on my regular battle reports. Maybe it's the name of the way it was titled. People thought it meant something different. Maybe I just need to retitle it. But um, no plans. Did you find them? Nope. Can't find it. Sorry, Chrome Striker. Geofence, who makes better cookies, your wife or Grim? My wife. And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. She makes fantastic cookies. Grim, thank you for the cookies. My wife makes really good cookies. I mean, that sounds really mean now that I've just analyzed what I said. Grim, you're awesome. We love you, Grim. And we just put up some posts about you today, too, thanking you for the stuff that you sent us. Yeah, no. I, I have had both of their cookies as well, and I enjoy both of them. I mean, I also enjoy cookies, so. <laughs> it's, it's, I find it hard to have a bad cookie. Yeah. Lichter, and if any Wargaming could have one big celebrity stop in and play or do something like Vin Diesel, who would you think would be the coolest, best cameo for Mini Wargaming? Well, it would be what's the best cameo and who would I want to have the most. I would want The Rock. The Rock is awesome. Yeah. No, he, he seems like one of those celebrities that you actually want to meet and hang out with. Yeah. There was one other that I just... No, The Rock is a big one. I, I just enjoy... He just seems so much fun. Oh, uh, there was one other though. Oh, what is it? There's been there's been others that are just like that. Oh, that seems like a cool guy. I'd love to hang out with him, like Ryan Reynolds kind of thing. Yep, yep. He seems hilarious. Yeah, he'd be hilarious. But I don't I don't know how much fun he'd be to hang out with. But The Rock seems like he'd be a fun guy to hang out with. But uh, Vin Diesel, sure. Vin Diesel is just kind of a he's. I'd love to meet Vin Diesel because he just seems like such a funny guy. So quirky. BBQ XXGG, hey Matt, if they were to touch up the NIDs, what would you think would be the first new unit they would create? No idea, but I could tell you what I want them to create. Just redo the basic Gaunts first to have two variations, one that's a close combat and one that's a shooter, or a spitter would be more appropriate. Um, and, uh, I, I could go on forever about this. <laughs> but it basically, just, it, it, would, it would borrow so heavily from StarCraft because they, just, they do exactly what I would think they should do with the Tyranids, which is make them more just animals. And mm -hmm. if they're shooting, it's because there's some natural mechanism for them to shoot. So, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it actually, for the longest time, I didn't know that they were holding guns. And then when I saw that, I was like, why? Why would it's they do that? Well, it's because it was made in the 80s, right? And so they kind of just, they, they leaned into that. Orion the 11B. So as a long-term 40K player, I'm looking at getting into Age of Sigmar with Sylvaneth. Any tips? Plan on at least getting to start collecting. Start collecting Sylvaneth is actually really good value. Um, Age of Sigmar is pretty easy to build for because it's not, as, not a lot of requirements. Make sure you have your leaders. Sylvaneth, by far, your Tree Lord Ancients are your best leaders. Um, you want one of those. Uh, your dryads make for fine battle line. Um, there's not a lot to Sylvaneth. There's not a huge amount of variety. So, and yeah. as they as they just posted on Warhammer Community, they're coming out with new stuff soon too, uh, which should be interesting. But I think it'll just be more like the endless spells and that kind of thing. So you know, just there's not a huge range. So pick the stuff that you think looks cool. But Tree Lord Ancients are awesome, and kind of go from there. But not really any other tips other than that. That army is pretty straightforward. Too much coffee painting with all the D&D expansion talk. Thoughts on the upcoming Ghosts of Saltmarsh or the Acquisitions Inc. book? I haven't really looked into them. I am aware of both. I've pre-ordered the Ghosts of Saltmarsh on D&D Beyond uh, because I just buy everything on there. I can't help it. It's just, I just, I just love it. Just, I love just buying their stuff. I just enjoy buying their stuff. Acquisitions Inc. book, I think it's cool that a D&D live stream got their own source book. Don't know much about it other than that. Augur Wolf, what levels will the characters for the D&D campaign on Tuesday be starting at? Level 5. 
Going to be DMing Coalition for my group over the next few months and eager to see your take on it as dot dot dot. Timestamp? I, I, when I hit pick next, it gets rid of the timestamp. Auger Wolf, like A U G E R Wolf. It's the latest one, and it's the last one that somebody asked a question. Okay. Is nobody else posting questions? I see people, people chatting. Talking. People are chatting, okay. It's 3.15 anyways, I'm really out of time. Okay. But I don't see any more questions coming in. I'm just making sure it's still working. It Here. still says it's open. Been some chat and I'm scrolling through it and not oh. Ah. So any that and eager to see your take on it as uh well. <laughs> <laughs> it was one more word. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we'll be level five. It, it recommends level five to ten. As I look through the book, um, and look at all the stuff that they're going to be facing. I think level five is adequate. I don't. I don't know why they say level five to ten. That seems like a pretty broad range. It is for because it, it's not like so, so other adventures like two annihilation will say levels one to eleven. It doesn't mean that you just choose a level. It means it literally start at level one and you end at level eleven. But this one is like it's when I read that it's for levels five to ten. I'm like, oh, it must be a really long adventure. It's like it's not. It's actually pretty short. So I'm like, so what do they mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, you get to just it's okay for levels in there. But I'm like. How can it be the same for five level five people than five level ten people? Like that's there's a huge difference in power level there. That's massive. Yeah, and they give some suggestions on how to scale it, but I'm looking at those suggestions. I'm like, that's not going to scale <laughs> it for level ten. And I think level five. I I'm, I have a funny feeling. I, I think what we'll probably do is I'll have a milestone hit level six at some point. It's probably only going to be eight to ten sessions, so I can't see also milestone into level seven. Maybe at the end of the whole thing. But I can picture in my mind a good spot to go to level six, just like it feels like an accomplishment milestone. Okay. But um, but yeah, that's probably all that's going to be. So it won't exactly be an XP-based campaign? I'll give you XP because I always like having XP, so you kind of have a sense. And mm -hmm. then I, I can kind of track that as well to see if I want to still have the milestone. Yep. But usually what I'll do is like, okay, yeah, you've earned enough XP. You're a little short, but here, take the rest yeah, of level yeah. six. I do that for Tomb Annihilation. I'm like, you know, take the XP because I want to feel like every combat encounter have actually mattered, even the ones... That it were random, mm -hmm. but um, so but yeah. So, so I will award ex experience for the stuff that you defeat and role playing encounters and stuff like that, just to get a sense of progress. And then when I see that there's been enough accumulated, if we don't naturally hit level six, I might just accelerate it at certain points. I'm not sure yet. We'll have to see how it plays. But looking at it, I think level five can handle the majority of the stuff that's thrown at them. Okay. So we'll see. There's going to be definitely some challenges, but. There should be. Yeah, no, if it's not challenging enough, then what's the fun? Yeah. Okay, we're out of time, but I got a couple more questions, so I'll answer them really quick. Them did for you. Wanna, did you want to close the thing? Yeah, so I'll close it. So no more questions. Boom. Them for you. Since almost out of questions, are you not aware that Vin Diesel is known for playing D and D? That's why probably the other person asked you. Oh yeah, I watched the the D and Diesel. Yes, yeah, that's he what that Oh yeah, he was, but he was still just kind of sitting there laughing at everybody else as they made all their voices. Like he seemed, he actually seemed. To be a little embarrassed to to really get into his character. By the end, he had loosened up, but everybody else around him is doing the typical super nerdy D and D characters. So. <laughs> oh, I love that! It was fun to watch that. Dylan Bauer, one hundred and one. If you have one vehicle for forty k, what what would it be and why? I've been asked this before. I would take an Eldar jet bike. Why? Because it's two thousand nineteen. I don't know. What other ridiculous answer can I give that actually has nothing to do with any question whatsoever? <laughs> Uh, because it's really cool. Like it's just an awesome vehicle. Um, yeah. 
That or a rhino, because they'd be super easy to park. Oh, 100 <laughs> <laughs> It's like, there's nothing sticking out. It's just a box. Zergalergaderg, do you prefer theater of the mind or miniatures more? Miniatures. I, but they both have their place. And simple, I don't crack at the miniatures for simple combats because it's just a, it can bog it down and, and lose the advantages of theater of the mind. But at the same time, for larger combats, I'd never want to do theater of the mind. It's just too complex. And I love miniatures, and we have lots of cool ones and terrain, so why not use them, right? That's all the did questions I'm going to answer. Did you not get one from the Darkest Dig? I did uh, not. I see one up here that uh, somehow was before you ended it, so... No. Uh, what does it say? Any tips for AOS Destruction Army? I have Blades of Corn. Um, Blades of Corn is not Mostly infantry looking to, to diversify. I think that's, just, that's what he plays right now, but he wants oh, to I start see. a Destruction Army. I love all the Destruction mm -hmm. Armies. Blue Spike Gits is my favorite. It also allows you to spend as much or as little money as you want because you can do trolls, which is a mediocre level army, but it looks awesome. Or you can go for the full grots, painting lots of models, and really and have a good strong army. Uh, yeah, Gloom Spike Gits is my favorite. What other good destruction armies are there? There's Beast Claw Raiders. They look cool, but I find them boring. Uh, Iron. Uh, the orc one. Why am I having a hard time with this? Iron Jaws. Iron Jaws. Thank you. They're they're kind of boring too. I I hope that they expand on that range because I think they're really cool. But they're just as an army, they're really boring. So that, one, that one's a very limited range. Gloom yeah. Spike gets is your best bet. It gives you the most variety. It gives you the most options. So you can start small and kind of keep expanding and going in all sorts of directions. All right. I think we're done here. And of course, thank you so much for everybody who's been subscribing. There's been us. a lot this show. Well, I think it's resubscriptions now, right? People are hitting yeah, that Yeah, now that we're back to it, there's been a lot. In and also, if you're like in the tier one, you can announce that you've resubscribed. Yep. So it looks like you're resubscribing then, but you've actually That's resubscribed true. already. Yep. So uh, I'm not trying to downplay. I'm just trying to say thank you so much. It's actually cool because now we've been streaming for long enough that people are starting to get the silver badges too. So we have silver and bronze badges flying around in chat, which is How many awesome. months do you have to do to get silver? Is it six? Six. Six. Yeah, that's basically how long we've been going. So, and I don't, so I don't know if gold is at nine or twelve. Probably at 12. I don't remember. All I know is that once we become partner, we'll actually have enough. We'll have tons of emojis. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're limited. So no matter, even though we have so many subscribers, we're still limited. So thank you so much to to all of you. So I'll just I'll just point out. Um, here's my shameless promotion. Uh, our live stream. We want eventually the live streaming to be a big part of mini wargaming, meaning that we'll be live streaming almost every day, all sorts of kinds of shows, not just D&D, not just like these shows like this, like the Sit and Talk, the Painting Exilium, they're short shows. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like um, streaming eight hours a day kind of thing. And with the events coming up, we'll have lots of content, but we need the funding to make it make sense. Because when we, if we stream instead of making battle reports, that's videos that we're not putting in the vault, that's not getting new vault members, or, it's, or that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like shows that we're going to stream that will only be viewable by Twitch subscribers and Silver Vault members, of course. Silver Vault members will always and forever get the Twitch stuff, unless something major changes. There, that, that is our plan. I don't want, I, that's, that's kind of a combination. I don't want people to think they have to get both. And you always have the disadvantage that you have to wait for it to get uploaded to the vault, but at least you'll get the answer right there. Um, but if you want to see the live stream succeed, we need subscribers. That's what it comes down to. It's, it, you, can, you can view all you want, and viewing is awesome, commenting is awesome, we appreciate that, but in the end, the subscribers are what fund the show and allow us to do this. And right now, we don't have nearly the subscribers even to cover 
a, a, a half the cost of doing these shows, and we want to do more of them. So if, you, if you're interested in seeing this live stream, please consider uh, subscribing on Twitch at any level, tier one, two, or three. If you, have a, a free, if you have an Amazon Prime account or a Twitch Prime account, you have a free Prime subscription you can give every month. That is worth the same to us as the tier one. Like We get the same amount of money from it. And so you can always do that. You have to do that one manually, though, every month. That's the annoying thing. So Amazon or Twitch does that. So that, you know, you don't quite have to pay it out every month. It's like every 35 days or 45 days when people remember to resubscribe. So if you're willing to do that, please help. And uh, that'll allow us to, to do more for this stream, which I'm really looking forward to doing. Thank you so much for joining me today on this live sit and talk and asking your questions. I hope that you enjoyed your time with me for this hour and a half. Next week is going to be Josh. Is that what we said? Oh, geez, I did not. You I, never actually I, I got, got that answer for me. There, actually. You never answered that for me. Ah! We're supposed to say at the beginning. Uh, let me just, I got to go to my sent emails because mm. I sent something to Josh. It's not in the calendar? Uh, I don't know if he put it You in know what? I'm going to have Colin. I did this part, Colin is so. going to add it to the description of uh, the YouTube order. video. Matthew, Josh, Vito, Steve, Luca. So Josh is the next So one. Josh and Should Luca. Should have said at the beginning. <laughs> but Josh, Josh and Luca are now separate, by the way. Josh and Luca are now separate. Or sorry, Josh and Vito. I was going to say. Yeah. They were doing it together for the first couple for Vito, but uh, Vito is now on his own, so it's uh, just Josh. Yeah. Oh, and of course, thank you for the bits donations. I see Malicious gave some bits as well. I don't. I think 300? Because it was at I think so, before. yes. I missed a few of the bits donations, and I'm sorry for that. I'm not actually... When I'm answering the questions, I don't actually see all the donations coming in, so I apologize for that. Thank you so much for your support. Stay tuned for more of our live content. Happy working.